Think of the children. Like the guy says, you're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crap thunder. A pig fool. It's fun. If he dies, he dies. Oh, oh, somebody please think of the children. I just want to say one thing to my wife was home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast where we talk about movie franchises, and we are in the second movie of the Rocky franchise, appropriately titled Rocky II. Uh, so wonderful. Uh, we have with us returning our special guest, uh, the undisputed champion of the world, uh, the master of disaster, Roy Fillmore. The How king you of doing? sting. The king of sting. Especially when I've eaten too much uh, thunder. But um, <laughs> so uh, hey, I'm 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 thrilled to be back. And uh, um, I, I think Andy Andy mentioned in the last podcast uh, we originally hooked up in the Yours Mind and There's podcast. Which, by the way, we've done almost every Rocky movie over there. I think. A while ago, would you, the listeners of the podcast, were on a kick where they wanted to make us watch the worst movies ever made, and uh, Rocky Five was one of those, I, and that was the first one we did over there. Those wait, wait, the wait! Bad time. You and Andy hooked up? Oh boy! Uh, wow! Well, no details. You know, high school. You know, have, have you seen <laughs> Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? It's a little bit like that. So, Love those it. aren't pillows. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm thrilled to be back. Uh, so I, I, it was great watching this movie again. And I think I like it a little bit more than the last time I liked it. And I think I appreciate it a little bit more because I've had qualms with this movie. And I and uh, I think I'm coming to terms with it a little bit. But anyway, yeah. that's what this podcast is for. And also here, returning champion, the Chicana Madonna, uh, Melissa. How you doing? I'm A-OK, y'all. I just I've been up since five this morning and it doesn't affect me at all. I'm not tired. <laughs> We're tired. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't need to go home and rest. It's time to start training. <laughs> yep. Uh also, um I I know someone who has uh made some coffee to wake up this morning. Brookheim, how you doing? That's a lie. I said I was going to make coffee, but I was too tired to get out of bed and make it. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so this Even is going to be fun. I do have my unrefrigerated cheesecake, and this uh, slacker cracker is ready to go. Well, hey, that's uh, that's the breakfast of champions, right there. That's mm. you know, just like making yourself up a, a bunch of raw eggs and downing yeah. them in the morning. It's know? not unhealthy if it's got cheese in it. Yeah, so you're you're fine. There's berries. Yeah, fruit. Uh, so I've made fruit. I've made cheesecake before, and I I don't think I've ever added cheese to cheesecake. I guess cream cheese. Cream cheese. Yeah, that's it. Right. No, nope. I've never added real cheese. Well, it's next not time, like, yeah, we're, we're gonna stir in some uh, some parmesan and see how that goes. I think poorly is how that would go. I, think <laughs> so you get... I feel as though it is in some cheesecakes that I've had, like these fancy, fancy places. I could be wrong. So wow. listeners, I'm not Italian. Clearly, I just called myself a cracker. But some, some people, I feel like it would be a good idea. Some people use sour cream in their cheesecakes. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'm a fan of that. 
but uh but but yeah um i so the next time i go to a restaurant and i order the cheesecake and i taste it if it's no good i'll say wait is there is there not cheese in this and you know where's the gorgonzola come on i I wanted blue cheese in my cheesecake (laughs) yep bring this back and don't bring this back until it smells of roquefort so (laughs) okay uh speaking of cheesy things um rocky too what a what a wonderful movie um uh oh and and jb and kit might be along here we'll we'll see they're they're bringing up the rear like the slackers they but (laughs) don't be a slacker we we need their con we need need a cracker yeah, we need some com- some contrarian opinions. So can I start out with my biggest problem with this movie? I Absolutely. really want to hear it. I'm very excited to hear your qualms with this movie. Okay. So Rocky earns his paycheck, which is 150000 That That's how much he earned. But then after taxes, he cleared like forty five, which that's... 37 is what 37? I thought he said. That is yeah. some seriously aggressive taxes. 37 yeah. out of 150. Holy cow. So the point is, is he's he's blowing through his money because he's going to do advertising and he's going to make a ton of money for advertising, but advertising doesn't pan out because he can't act. But I don't think that would work. I think they would just say, okay, you can't act. So stand there. We'll film you boxing and someone will voice over. Right? Right. Or just picture, just pictures. Like in, it, I, I feel like he should still be able to make plenty of money advertising uh, without having to act. And what about the Rocky doll, the, the, the like the Stretch Armstrong Rocky doll that was going to I want the Rocky bucks. doll. The Rocky doll, like, even if he can't be the spokesperson, like, that's a hit. Yeah. So, by the way, the original plot to this movie was Rocky runs for mayor <laughs> and, like, he exposes the corruption in Philadelphia or something. And I'm so glad that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. That would have been too... Um... That would have been amazing. Rocky runs for mayor. But it, I don't know. It would have ruined just... the franchise. It wouldn't have been a franchise after that. Nope. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Rocky to Electric Boogaloo. You know, <laughs> he's got to so, but... save the, the the community center. Yeah. So I guess for the sake of the plot, fine. He loses all of his advertising opportunities because he can't act. But I think realistically, he still would have made plenty of money, and especially like in local ads, right? Because he's big in Philly now, right? He's like. He could have just done a bunch of little local ads and still made some money, but whatever. Yeah, like what? Like Gino's cheesesteak wouldn't put up like a big billboard. It was like, hey, when I'm eating the cheesesteak, I go to Gino's. Eh, yeah. It doesn't have to be him. Yeah. You know, like totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or, or he, he should be the face of Shamrock Meats. Right? Yes. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. He already has a robe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you would think, but I I don't know. I get it. Like I know that they had to shift the the plot to like add in the controversy and the why he needed to go back to fighting. But uh, I feel like they could have done that still and had them not treat him like an idiot. Like he just won this fight. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like so many things in those scenes. Those scenes have bothered me as well. Yeah, so I mean, I've, it's but I've never really like put that much energy into thinking about them because I know where they lead us to. So, but he—he's a high school dropout. He really isn't qualified to do anything that's not manual labor, right? Or I am a high school dropout, Roy. Okay, well, but you got your college degree. I did not get my college degree. Really? I also dropped out of college. Okay. I have so, never graduated from anything in my anything. life. Anything. So you are the real life Rocky, except instead of. <laughs> Instead of getting brain damage, you're teaching sex therapy. 
I'm good at that. You're the Rocky of sex therapy. <laughs> but yes, yeah, I took it on swinging. So, but to to so, but you're obviously very smart and very intelligent. I'm not saying Rocky isn't. It's true. Um, yeah. Anyway, but he's only he is only semi literate. Is yes. is the problem? He's having yeah a hard time. You know, even at the end after practicing a lot, he's still having a hard time getting through these Western pulp novels. Yeah, you know. Reading, reading to Adrian bedside. It's nice, though. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, there's. You're right. He's not really that qualified for for all of this. But in in defense of it, I I feel like there is this like this beauty and the simplicity that like he doesn't want or need all of these fancy things and so yeah he kind of blows through his money because he thinks like this is what you should do with it you know you get yourself a trans am you get yourself a a a black jacket with a tiger on it god that jacket (laughs) that jacket Uh, buys a house without looking at the upstairs or the basement (laughs) right oh god that's so frustrating Oh, don't don't you love it when like I swear the the they could have like sold it at twenty five percent interest and he would have been great, right? <laughs> so at least Adrian's there, like one yeah, and a half percent. I know Adrian's like Rocky. You're making this man's job very easy. Um, <laughs> but so it, it's it's interesting, and the the movie then becomes about like because I think he wants nice things for Adrian. I think he's used to living poorly yeah. but he feels like yeah. he's supposed to do better now that he's married right and and surprise they got a baby coming um and so do you I, feel I, like the jacket is a throwback to lords of flatbush oh man like so, a little wink to it so did you guys know that in the lords of flatbush his paycheck was 13 shirts like that's how sylvester stallone got paid for that movie so i'm what assuming, oh I'm, i didn't know that you didn't know that no. he didn't get a dime for that movie he just got shirts I guess like his his wardrobe. He got to keep his wardrobe. Jesus. Well, I mean that uh that uh I hope he got to keep that wedding suit. That was uh <laughs> oh that was my pretty God. fancy there at the end. Yeah, so that's like how, shirts. that's how his career was going before Rocky. Yeah. So he was in a lot of stuff. He just wasn't getting paid anything, right? He was like doing these tiny bit parts and then Lords of Flatbush, which was his biggest thing. And apparently the writers of Lords of Flatbush hated him because he just kept giving them rewrites. <laughs> and like, all I can think is the guy who's getting paid in shirts really shouldn't have a very strong voice in any movie, right? Probably but not. But then he gets credited. Does For he get a writing stuff. credit? He, get, he got yeah. a writing credit on Lords of Flatbush, yeah. yeah. So so he's, he's really... I think he wants nice things for Adrian, and I think he's to, he doesn't want to take on a menial job, but then he does, right? He takes on the the meatpacking plant, which he gets fired from because you know. Uh, just well, he doesn't get fired. It's he gets let go. You know, yeah, poor and uh, one our our favorite returning uh, actor here, Sharky from License to Kill, <laughs> as as Frank, the meatpacking plant manager. Mm-hmm. No, but that that's fairly common, you know, especially in like industrialized, unionized. Uh, workplaces most of them have a last person in first person out and when you get when there are cutbacks the longer you've been there 
the more protected you are. But if you yeah. just started a week ago, then you're the you're the first person to go. So, so I really the, love this part of it, though. Yeah. Well, and it, it's the big conflict. It's the conflict between he sees. I don't know if you want to call it an easy paycheck, but he knows that if he fights again, he can make at least thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah. Like he can make money. And he's got a wife and he's got a baby coming and uh, we've got a dog named Butkus with us in the in the chat. So um. <laughs> welcome, Butkus. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that when he's when he gets cut from the commercials, he goes home and starts reading. Yeah, so he That's... doesn't blame them. He goes home and he starts reading. And when she's in the coma, she he sits and reads to her and continues to practice. Yeah. And he's like. He's doing the things, whatever yeah. it takes. Like he wants the role. He wants the job. He wants the desk. He wants to do better in life. And when he can't get it, he doesn't blame anyone else. He goes and fights for another job to not be fighting because it's the promise that he made to his wife. And even when he like takes the fight, he does it with like this sadness in his heart over what he knows he's doing to Adrian and um, I, I like the, like I was thinking this morning as I was laying in bed, not making coffee about Kit's suggestion that it be called Adrian be a horror movie where she pulls out, uh, Polly's rib <laughs> or, or whatever she said. But I was like, you know, it was I hate his Polly. wishbone. His wishbone, wishbone. That's what it was. Thank All you. The- all the worst things in the Rocky franchise happen because of Polly. Like because of Polly, Adrian goes into a coma him. because of Polly. <laughs> they lose yeah. their fortune because of Polly, right? But he, like, there have been so many times that I've watched it. I'm like, why the fuck don't they just write Polly out of this script? Like, like if I had like editor's notes, like just fucking get rid of Polly altogether. Like let him like. Which happens in Creed, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and the legacy of Polly is uh, a nightstand full of like third class porn, right? <laughs> not even right. <laughs> not even like stuff you would see in the supermarket. It's like the stuff you you find in the dumpster behind like a gentleman's club or something. I don't know. Right, right. right. So but Polly adds this like human conflict. He keeps bringing out these parts of their characters that I'm really seeing this time around as we're talking about it. Like, the opportunity that we get to see in Rocky for like bringing Polly up with him and, um, and, and giving into this humanity of his own inner critic of still feeling like garbage about himself. And so wanting to make sure that Polly does well, because it means that he's more capable of doing well. And like in this movie, Polly provides this opportunity for us to one, have Adrian go into a coma, but also, for Rocky to be humbled and go and ask Polly for help, but not ask for a handout. And like Polly is this like bizarre part of this very human element of each of these movies that I never really gave it credit. I never gave his character credit for what he shows us about the other characters and who they are and how, and their humanity. And it made me appreciate the character of Polly. Although tearing out his wishbone would be great <laughs> so can i ask a question um, about uh, adrian and her changing her mind because i think we all agree that her reason for wanting rocky to not fight is 
is really, really noble, right? Because like she can deal with the poverty. She can handle that, but she just loves Rocky and she can't handle like his life being ruined physically, right? Uh, because he really could get badly injured in, in another fight. But she ends up changing her mind. And I, But before we get to that, I, I want to talk about this idea that Rocky is at home and he's unemployable and he's lost his job and he's watching his wife struggle at uh to, to she works now at the the pet shop right and it just you can tell it just tears them apart right and it's kind of like this macho idea i guess that the man is supposed to provide but i and i i, I feel like if you're in a relationship and the the man wants to stay home and take care of the house and and you're getting you're doing well financially then like whatever works for you and and your partner then great right but in in this case like they're not doing well financially you know, she's working a job that is barely or maybe not even covering the bills because they've really assumed a lot of financial responsibility and he's just helpless, right? There's nothing he can do. And, right. and, so, and I feel like we have that in our society and I don't want to get crazy, crazy political here, um, but but we have a, um, a population in our in our country that that is always being criticized for a single... Uh, uh, what would you call it? Single parent households, right? Um, so I, I, I so we, in, in what's always pointed out is that in African American marriages that or relationships that the the father doesn't always stick around, or or whatever, right? But I I feel like people ignore the reason for that, which is that this is a country where we uh, uh, we imprison one third of the black male population in this country. Exactly. And and so the problem is you go to jail, you come home, you've got some kids, you can no longer work because no one's going to hire you. And you mm -hmm. sit there and watch your wife work two jobs and still not cover the bills. And it's just humiliating and it just hurts and you just can't handle it. And you and it's not the right choice, but it's the human choice. And then they leave. Right. And I think Rocky is I'm not trying to equate him to that situation, but he's in a situation where he feels humiliated that he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. And that's why he takes a fight and Adrian doesn't yeah. want him to. So he's not, he's not mentally in this fight. So that's all that. But then let me ask you guys this. Why does Adrian change her mind? Because she sees she's going to lose him one way or another. Yeah. And I, I think she believes oh, in sorry, him enough. Had their that like, yeah. Yeah. I think she believes in him enough that she like, has caught on to the dream that like, yeah, okay, we, we can do this. Right. So do, I, I'm not a doctor. Do you, do you guys know, do, do people, can they hear in a coma? Can you hear? It's disputed. So I Googled it and it's kind of conflicting. Like some people say you can hear when you're in a coma and some people say you can't, but I think either way it becomes apparent to Adrian that she's aware of what Rocky has, has done i guess during her coma that he hasn't left her side that he's stopped training right i mean he's preparing for a fight against the most dangerous man in the world and he's stopped he's stopped training and then of, of course he just says um no matter how embarrassing or humiliating it is to him he he tells her he offers you know i'll cancel this fight and then she kind of pulls a 180 and, and says nah don't cancel the fight go win it and by the way if you don't cry when she says win um, um, yeah, and we'll, you know, then that's fine. 
that's a great moment. And 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 I think it it bears mentioning too that prior to that, Rocky's kind of half-assing his training too. Yeah. He's he's not really into it because he feels conflicted and he knows he or he worries he doesn't have her full support. And so he sends effing knucklehead Polly over there to yell at her, which, you know, makes her, you know, makes her go into an early, uh, early delivery in a coma. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, I mean, yeah, that's, so I that's think, a whole other thing. I think but, his, his training is so poor because of, like the conflict, he, the conflict he has is it's the only way he sees to support his family because he can get murdered in that ring and he's going to make a million bucks. Right. Right. Um, which by the way, Rocky, you, you're probably going to blow through that pretty quick, but um, especially if Polly <laughs> is in charge of your finances. Right. But so the conflict is he can support his family if he takes this fight, but he's hurting his wife and he knows he's hurting his wife by taking the fight. And he just, it, you can't, how do you resolve that? Well, he resolves it by training like a bum. Yeah. While on the other side, Apollo Creed is uh, is getting in the best shape of his life. Yeah, he is. Can you imagine if he had really been training the whole time? So it's interesting. By the way, the fight is 13 minutes. So five minutes longer than Rocky won. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and in, but in this fight, Apollo Creed piles up the points, right? It's not nearly yeah, as close as really the first does. match. Mm-hmm. And the difference is that Apollo Creed has trained like he's never trained before. And Rocky had this huge interruption in his training. So he hasn't had the time like you point out, Brooke, but also, so to protect himself, he switches to being a right-handed fighter, which is great. I guess it's a gimmick, but he's never going to be as strong a puncher, uh, use as a right-handed puncher as he is as a left-handed puncher. And so he, he kind of defends himself sort of, he still gets punched in the face quite a bit. Yeah. Can I talk about neuroscience for a second? Talk about it. Yeah. Okay, so there's a, I think it's a TED Talk or something I saw when I was doing training, but basically a neuroscientist did a study where he switched the steering on a bicycle where he, and he thought it would take him maybe like a week to retrain his brain to steer a bicycle um, going in the opposite, you know, just, you know, just the handlebars. Mm-hmm. And just switching the handlebars, I think it took him like six to eight months to be able to ride that that bicycle with the same level of proficiency as before and then when he switched back it took him another three months to be able to retrain back to a standard bicycle steering so changing the side of your brain changing that like right left hand dominancy can be done but it's very taxing on your body's processing of its motor function and like how you take your input and output. And so it's like Rocky isn't just training physically. He is physically rewiring his brain to do everything backwards. And so it's like, it doesn't surprise me that it took him six months and that he's half-assing it because there's this, level of training where when you have less than 60% proficiency called the frustration zone and people quit like you know 
how many times have I picked up a ukulele and like played for like a week or two and then stopped because that that is a very difficult zone of of learning um and so Rocky's attitude to me was kind of understandable because he's taking something that is part of his identity as a source of power and all of a sudden he's back at at almost square one where he's back in that frustration zone where all of his strength means nothing all of his previous training is wrong and I think that that compiled with the other situations in this movie that speak to his powerlessness, um, which I think is one of Rocky's really strong cognitive distortions. Cause like talking about Polly, it's like he wouldn't even stand up to Polly until like end of movie one. Um, and it's like, you say you love this girl, but you'll just sit there and let her get verbally and physically abused by her brother. And you love her. Mm-hmm. Yup. You're a real powerful guy. Um, but he does have this like kind of learned helplessness and like not knowing how and when to use his his skills, I think. Um, but anyway, so neuroscience, uh, that that whole trying to learn how to write fight right handed, I could see that being incredibly challenging and incredibly disheartening. Um, on top of the whole like internal emotional uh, turmoil of, you know, the person that you love and you're trying to be a good man, uh, and you're failing, you're failing at gender because, <laughs> because the person who's supposed to marry you is mad at you. Um, so because it, it you know, it, when he was talking about, it's like, you're, you're not, you know, I never asked you to stop being a woman. Please don't ask me not to be a man. And it's like, she didn't ask you not to be a man. She asked you not to be a fighter. But <laughs> is that one of the worst yeah. lines in Rocky? And that he he uses it in several of the movies. And every time I just like, Ugh. yeah, it's just like, I kind of like that line. Do you? I, I feel huh. I feel like that line is very though, um, very telling about society, and Rocky right. as a character. Yeah, that's why. Like that's why I like it, Kit. Yeah. And it, and it's like I I don't I don't like it as a feminist, but I like it as a writer. Um I, I do say it to my wife regularly. Oh. And it, it goes it goes over about as well as when I ask her to just make the meat. So. I don't I don't like it because I think it's a good line. I like it because what it shows us about him. Yeah. He yeah. what he knows is providing what he feels like being a man is is showing up and taking care and when he's tried all these other options to quote unquote be the man this is what he's left with and so he's like begging her to not take this last thing that he has the thing that he knows he can do to provide the thing like even though it is hurtful and he knows that he's damaging his body it's what he feels like he has I don't I don't think he's saying that you have to fight to be a man I think he's saying this is the only way that I can be the type of man and not be a bum, which is like the revolving like theme here. In order to not be a man, this is what I have. This is what I know. I learned to use my body. This is this is where we're at, babe. Please don't take this from me. Yeah. So interestingly enough, and I thank you, kid. I love that your the conversation about the 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 neurology stuff. 
so fascinatingly in the final round uh, when Mick is talking to him in the corner, he says, you got to switch. And Rocky says, no tricks. I ain't switching. But guess what happens in the final round? He switches. He switches. Yeah. <laughs> and and so but because he, he hasn't been using his much more powerful left handed fighting style, when he finally does switch, he's got some he's still got some uh, some some thunder some left in, in the, the punches. Tank. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and so he's able, like, as as they're sitting there, kind of throwing, uh, Apollo's kind of throwing these like these wobbly whiffs at him. Rocky's dropping bombs, right? And uh, so, anyway, yeah, he does. Can switch. I ask Kit a question about that? Go for it. Yes, but my Kit, cat is also um, here, so she will also oh, answer. Hi, Kit and kitten. Um, do you feel then, like, based off of the study that you were just talking about, that he would have been able to make that switch? I think if he was training the whole time to be able to switch, then um, then that would be a very different thing than if he was only training right handed. So I think because the plan was always to switch, he probably was was kind of maintaining those skills. And so like I was I was thinking I was like, I don't know if it would work if he was only training right handed. But this morning I woke up. I'm like, what bum is only going to train their fighter who's a southpaw to fight right handed (laughs) for six months? Like that's just that's that would be a tomato of a coach. Um, uh, (laughs) So I think I think based on what I know of that and like kinesiology, it also makes sense that he would have a little bit more like you know, is it glycogen JB? I don't know. But like the, the juice in your muscles that gives you energy that he would have a little bit left more left in those muscles, um, to, to pull from because he had been like favoring one side of his body is, I don't know. That's what my brain was thinking when he just came out of the gate, like with his second wind, it's like, Whoa, that's a lot. (laughs) So it's interesting because when Mick tells him, we're, we're switching, we're training you as a right-handed fighter. He says the Southpaws are the worst. Their right hand is no good, right? And so he knows that like in six months time, he can't make Rocky a powerful right-handed puncher. Like you said, it's just not going to happen. The, the whole point is just to defend his body or his mm-hmm. eye from Apollo Creed and it shows because he gets beat pretty bad in the fight. Um, but anyway, so uh, I, I want to talk about Mick because I think in the first movie, Mick... Um, I mean, he's he's got a relationship with Rocky, but he kind of just jumps on because he sees an opportunity to to train someone who's who's got a shot at the title. But I think in this movie, Mick becomes part of the family. Right. Absolutely. Because Mick goes from I don't want to train you anymore. And then Adrian has her coma. And then one of the very best scenes in the whole movie is when Mick is given the pep talk to Rocky in the biblical place. Oh, um, my God. I think is his line. Right. I don't want to get angry in a biblical place. (laughs) But like where he says, you know, I don't understand why you're why you're throwing this away. But you know what? I'll do it with you. If you want to throw this away, I'll throw it away with you and I'll be there every second. And he stays and he's there when Adrian wakes up and he's there when the baby's presented and then he's there. And um, he's just kind of made this commitment to Rocky. And uh, and I love it. I love I love Mickey. And I think his character is great in this film. Yeah, he really grows into something better rather than just... It's like Mickey in the first one is almost a caricature. And, um, you know, he feels like a actual person with with 
with many more uh, feelings on top of all of this. And I too love that, that scene in the, in the chapel where they're just talking through all of this. It's uh, I, I, yeah, it's a really great part of this movie. Uh, I like this scene um, in the stairwell where uh, when Rocky comes back to him and, you know, he's trying to, tell him about the fight and everything and, and Mickey actually turns him away he's like you know your eye and this and that like he, he you know he'll kill you and he actually seems concerned for Rocky whereas in the first movie he would not have hesitated to say okay let's do this you know like he actually gave a shit about Rocky a little bit here and so yeah I he still annoys me a little for some reason I don't know why even since I was a little girl watching this movie he annoyed me a little but um yeah, I like him better as a character here as well. Yeah. So, uh, and a little bit behind the scenes um, stuff, the training Rocky to be uh, a right-handed fighter um, during or immediately prior to the development of this movie, uh, Stallone tore his right pectoralis major muscle uh, while working out with... Uh, uh, the bodybuilder Franco Colombo, um, and had a had a surgery to reattach the muscle. Um, ouch! <laughs> um, but uh, that left his, uh, you know, that side of his body fairly weakened, and so rather so part of this was a uh, way to be like, oh, during all the montages, we're going to show. Rocky, you know, favoring his right side rather than uh, rather than being the canonical southpaw. Oh, wow. Another Rocky plot device that happens because of necessity. Yeah. Which um, I, I love. I love it. So there, I there's love a, that he is really left handed. Yeah. Stallone. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a there's another piece of uh, necessity here. Uh, Adrian isn't at the fight in person uh, because Talia Shire was working on another movie at the time because of scheduling conflicts. Uh, they, um, they, they filmed her and Polly in the apartment uh, or at the house much, much later um, interesting. while, while they were doing uh, the fight. Yeah. So my understanding is she was supposed to be there and then like, Rocky, Sylvester Stone has this obsession in his scripts about Rocky getting carried out on the shoulders of the fans because, like, it's in the original Rocky script, too. And But anyway, it doesn't happen. But originally, like, Adrian's supposed to be there and the crowd is supposed to lift Adrian and Rocky up on their shoulders. And I'm, and I'm so glad it didn't happen. And this is such a better ending because you, you have the fantastic uh, closing remarks by Rocky and then it freeze frames on Rocky uh, embracing Mick. And it's just... Such a satisfying ending, man. When he says, "Yo, Adrian, I did it," that's maybe the the most satisfying moment in movie history. I just, oh, I love it. Yeah, my um, I mean, I know I've talked about this movie. It it really is my favorite, and I think it's because it it brings out so much of their humanity. And I think after this, they they do start feeling like they're more about the fights. Um, but the moment that breaks me open every single effing time, I like ugly sobs is when he, he says, um, 
other than the day that my kid was born, this is the most important day of my life. Like the fact that he acknowledges how important his kid is and then calls out to Adrian and says that like, it just, I sob. I sob because this has always been about them and, and going through the whole process, like their wedding, their wedding. I love it so much (laughs) that he thanks her after she says I do. And that he like tells the priest what a great job he does and like (laughs) pats him on the back. And then he lays her down on that couch and she is fucking stunning with her glasses off. Thank heavens. Up at him. Glasses on. And he looks down at her and he, she just says, I don't want this to change. Like that whole dialogue between them during that scene. Um, and we all know it's going to change, right? Like everything in life changes, but the way that she just, and he carries her home and talks about how light she is the whole time. Like it's just, the, it's the, it's the best. I love how romantic Rocky is, right? Because he feels like he must carry her over the threshold, which apparently is five miles long. <laughs> and then we get to listen to Frank Stallone. Yeah, the music. <laughs> Frank Stallone again, yep. yep. When he whisks her up after putting her down, he you see him pick her up. If, if I were picked up by someone that way just once in my life, I think I would feel like the most magical creature that has ever existed. So I my know that's wife not very feminist of me, but like yeah. it's just, it's just there's they just look connect like I don't know this this whole movie the way that that he looks down at her and that she looks up at him like that movie. That- yeah, In, can we talk about uh, Creed? We gotta talk about Creed. Sure. Okay. Then. So. I, man, I I love Carl Weathers so much. And it's funny because in the fight, like, I mean, this is before Rocky gets like kind of super ripped, right? He's just kind of 1970s muscly, right? Yeah. But Carl Weathers has got like 20, 25 pounds on him. Carl Weathers is in really good shape. But so this whole fight happens because Carl Weathers or, or Creed just can't get over the idea that he lost. And he knows he lost because it's his fault. And he just... He just can't handle it. And his entire self-worth is wrapped up in the the criticism he receives and, and other people telling him, you know, that he he lost the fighter, he should have lost, and like it just it just eats him. And then for him to put everything he has into this fight and then he still loses it. Right. It's just it's just Well, so... but he won the first fight and yeah. he didn't well, that's the the hilarious thing about so, but it. But you have but... that moment with Duke, right? Where, mm-hmm. where Duke's like, hey, come on, we don't need this. And he says, do you think I beat him? And Duke says, you won the decision. And he says, I he says, I won, but I didn't beat him, right? Yeah. And he knows he didn't beat him. And, and if that round had actually lasted three minutes instead of less than a minute, then I think Rocky wins that fight. Um, but uh, whatever. So, But then, like, what does where does Creed go from here? Because everything he had is gone. At least he's you know doesn't have Polly managing his finances. So that's good. But his his final line to Rocky is he just tells Rocky good luck. And yep. I'm not sure what that means, but well cuz he cuz he knows that you know the next step is, you know, you're going to have to face a clubber Lang and like that once you're at the top, everybody's gunning for you. Yeah. And and he knows what that pressure is. Yeah. So 
Well, I love the respect yeah. between the two, and and because so I'd I'd always read the line where Rocky goes over after the fight as as you're great. I put on the subtitles and he, and, he, and I guess it's just Yo Creed, but like he hmm. he respects Apollo Creed, and and on, I don't on Netflix it was you're great, so they might have really? yeah. At least when I watched it last night, so, I like that better. I like yeah, that a lot better. better. I so I pulled it up on Netflix this morning just to. to throw on the subtitles and it says you'll creed so i don't know if my netflix is worse than yours or whatever but i um, don't know maybe mine is just more positive because it's like oh kill get mad if they're dismissive <laughs> and rude um, no i love your great that's a much better line that he well, acknowledges it, that yeah but he also does like go over and like clear have that clarifying statement of like you know trying to you know instead of just being an offhanded compliment like hey everybody creed is great um, so it was, I felt like that kind of was a clip, you know? Yeah. The, the good news is Rocky and Apollo get to fight one more time and, uh, <gasps> and it's revealed much later in this series who won that match. Um, yeah. Spoiler. It's not Rocky. Yeah. So. Yep. What? So I, I did want to say like one thing I noticed watching them back to back, uh, last night cause I was, you know, out sick was that Apollo put on 10 pounds of muscle for this fight. Mm-hmm. He went from and 210 to 220. And he, I was like, looks, he looks like he put on 20 pounds of muscle. Seriously. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I might be wrong, but like, he definitely like, whoa, he gained weight. Um, and he he definitely looks like ripped. But I think it's also like there were there were some flattering changes where it's like he he wasn't really he didn't really look like he was training before the first fight he was just doing public relations um but yep. he, you know he became this really insecure you know kind of jerkwad in the second one sometimes and i i think it was in some ways more humanizing because he wasn't being you know a magical man of the people. Yeah. He was, you know, an insecure prize fighter who was basically being attacked by paper Twitter. Um, like, yeah. Yeah. Who's his agent not reading his mail for him? Not like, screening his mail. Yeah, like, yeah, right, Roy? Where is these people? I want to know what, what it, but I was like, that must have been terrible where it's like, you know, a bad day on Twitter shows up at your house as like two garbage bags full of, <laughs> full mail. of, mail. of just typewriter, typewriter letters. Yeah. Like, or you can just hear someone. He says his kids are being like made fun of at school and stuff. But so yeah. He's, yeah. he's undefeated. He has never experienced defeat before. And, and it was humiliating. Even it's though he won, crazy. it was humiliating. Like, yeah. 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 Well, it's and it's a good assessment of what athletes really are, right? At the top of their game. I mean, we we've, we've talked about this for years, but mm-hmm. there's such a mentality and Kit, you're right on. I mean, that that mentality is is surprisingly fragile at mm-hmm. in in an athlete at the top of its uh, of their game. Well, I think we kind know? we kind of saw it in this election cycle and I, I'm not yeah. making a direct comparison between Herschel Walker and Apollo Creed because because I like <laughs> I like one of them, but I think this is the first time in his life that Herschel Walker wasn't adored by everyone, and I think it shocked him. Yeah, and it is. It's you you watch how athletes lash out and politicians too. You're right, Roy. When when they don't get the positive regard, I mean, it's a great pickup kid. It's it's a very 
strange character shift, but very realistic, even though it's typewriter Twitter. Like, he's, <laughs> it's like where do these stamps, who gets all these stamps? Are they at Costco getting stamps and ice to send you, all you these? You spent all 20 have- cents to tell that man he's a bum. And <laughs> four hours. You, yeah, you'd have to not be able to, total keyboard warriors, because you don't want Creed coming to your house with your return address. Like, I'll show you who's a chum. Well, but it, it's, it was nice for me to see that it's like oh this like meanness and toxicity didn't suddenly get invented 10 years ago with the advent of the internet like people were sending letters you should die apollo creed (laughs) yeah and it's such a winning match and it's such an interesting it's really the interesting dynamic in a lot of ways besides the relationship right is how other people really ruin a character because Creed, like you said, Kid Creed is great in the first one. He's he seems like a really he's, decent. He's very good. Like he's secure. He's magnanimous. Yeah. He's like I want to do something that's great for the sport and America. Yeah, and all of a sudden he gets these letters and he's throwing them off of balconies and it, it is it's a really interesting dynamic shift. Yeah, and he voluntarily other- becomes the villain. He recognizes yeah. that he's he's I, making himself a villain. And it's he's amazing. Like, he's like, fine, I don't really care. Whatever it takes. I yeah, think that's this a is a thing. really important part of the show, though, because totally. like what you said, totally. the reason he wishes Rocky good luck is because he knows as soon as you're on the top, the only place left to go is back down to the bottom. And so that's always in the back of their mind, haunting them. So even though he won the fight, when he gets all these letters, it's like the most like Rocky himself couldn't have planned a more strategic psychological attack on Creed if he had tried, because Apollo Creed knows that everyone else knows as well as him and his biggest fear is that he's going to be dethroned. It's like, it's like Zeus. Like he knows that he's going to be taken down by his son. Right. So like, you know, that there's someone out there that's going to be your undoing and you drive yourself mentally crazy because it has to happen. You just don't know when or how, and you can't avoid it. And it's, it's there and it's coming. And I think the reason that as society, like I've always felt horrible about Britney Spears and what we've done to her as a society, we put her up on this pedestal. We tell her she has to be the morality queen. And as she starts to become more and more human, we tear her apart. And it's the same thing that's happening with Creed. We need these heroes because we aren't being the heroes of our own stories. So when they start to let us down, we tear them apart because that's easier than looking at ourselves. That's easier than accepting that we have to be our own hero. It's easier to take them apart. And so we write the letters or we get on Facebook or we have the paparazzi follow them around and we, we eat it all up. It's the, the what is it called? Schreudenfreude in German? Schadenfreude. Like Schadenfreude. The, the joy of other people's pain. Like this part of the movie is so powerful and important of what we do to each other as humans when we don't just step into owning ourselves and making our own lives what we want them to be and i think that's what's so beautiful about rocky is he doesn't do that he looks at himself first always I remember the it's a it's a great point, Brooke. I remember when the Charles Barkley commercials came out where he said, I'm not a role model. And everybody was really upset. I remember like, how can this athlete say he's not a role model? We pay him all this money and 
right? Like he's supposed to be a, a good person. And he's like, no, I gamble and I smoke cigars and I drink. I'm not, I'm not a role model, right? You, your role model should be someone closer and more important in your family or community unit. It's not Charles Barkley, <laughs> but I do. I remember the backlash that people had about that commercial. Like what an ass, how dare he not be a role model when, right. like you said, Brooke, he owes us. Right. And that's one of my big pet peeves with people in general is they think athletes owe us something because they make all this money. Right. Well, they make money because you keep giving them money. They don't owe you anything. If you stop giving the money, the cycle reverses. Right. But it is. It's really weird how there's this ownership mentality. Um, you know, and people were even giving flack to the DeMar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills guy who got injured on the Bills game the other day, they're like, well, they should keep playing the game because they owe us the event, the sporting event. You're like a person died on a football field and was brought back to life. Football doesn't matter. Yeah. In that moment. So, you know, it's a great point. bro. There there was a, there was a a football game 30 or so years ago where someone actually did die on the football field and and you know what happened? They kept playing. playing. Yep. Which is just unreal to me. But it, it's, it is. It's such a great part of this movie, Brooke, because it is. It's really the dynamic of how we treat athletics and what happens to these people. I, I can't imagine most athletes who fight each other have any care about the other person. They they just are either goaded into it or have to do it, right? They have to create this contentious relationship. And in some cases, it's probably because someone's making them do it. Mm-hmm. A wise person once said, that uh, about Rocky didn't beat Creed, time beat Creed, right? And and I think it was uh, it was I don't know if it was Brooke or Kid that was saying that, you know, when you're at the top, you're always looking over your shoulder, and eventually someone's going to take you down. Maybe that was JB. Um, you're all wonderful people. Um, but yeah, so like eventually Creed had to lose to someone. So was was this? Are, are we supposed to understand that this is like the zenith of his career? So when Mick is chewing Rocky out in the locker room, I love that he like says all these awful things about how he's training really poorly, and but and and it's just kind of all falling off of Rocky's shoulders. But then Mickey calls him a bum, and then he perks up, right? Then his head immediately snaps up because like I think that attacks like his sense of who he is, right? Anyway, and that's that's way out of nowhere. I just thought of it because uh, we kept calling JB a bum, and uh, uh, by the way, Kit was leading that charge, I think so. Oh, I, I just really like sounding like Burgess Meredith, but <laughs> I I noticed that people who grew up in abusive households definitely are motivated by language like that because it's it's a psychological thing where uh, punishment doesn't teach skills. It just, just teaches you to be afraid of punishment, but then it has yeah. to get bigger and worse. Um, and so people who have that kind of self-talk tend to be very, very negative toward themselves and others is it and, weird to and only respond and feel motivated yeah. when they're being basically abused it's, it's rough it's so weird to me when i hear people say that oh my parents weren't abusive i mean my dad would beat me when i was bad but my parents weren't abusive and i, I just want to go uh maybe yeah, it, your parents were abusive <laughs> it kind of makes me wonder what rocky's household was like i want to talk about socioeconomics and gender yeah go for it great okay so Andy's probably going to have to like give you guys more history, but it seems like the recession was real bad in the late seventies. Am I correct in that? I mean, yeah. Okay. 
like yeah. super bad. Yeah, like super super bad. So yeah. um, it was a bum. Yeah, it was it was a tomato. It was a real tomato. Um, yeah. And so, <laughs> um, but like when we're talking about like Rocky trying to prove he's a man. I'm thinking about like how, you know, Rocky grew up watching what, like John Wayne movies or stuff that, that was on, you know, for us, like Turner classic movies where it's like, wow, that's, you know, that's rough. Um, And so I'm just like, I'm trying to think of what he based his sense of masculinity on, but after World War II, there was a marketing blitz to get Rosie to go back home because the concern was that there weren't enough jobs for men and women to both work, even though, <clears throat> you know, before World War II, men and women both worked all the time. Isn't that the weirdest thing? The people have this idea that back in the good old days, only the men had to work, but that was an aberration, like you said. During yeah. the 50s, there was this weird aberration where women went home. But but prior to that, men and women always both worked. And I think it was basically in the 50s was the first time the economy supported a single family household. And but and so suddenly, if you weren't able to do that, then you were a bum, like you were poor. And but and I, I also I don't know if it was the case in Philadelphia, but I have a very vivid memory of my stepmom discussing as the breadwinner how she was told to her face that no one in Provo, Utah was going to hire a woman for a comparable wage as a man because they didn't want to give those jobs um, to people as a second income. And she's like, but I have to be the breadwinner. And they're like, well, it sucks to be a woman in Provo. Um, And so I'm kind of imagining that Adrian's job did not pay well because she was seen as someone who didn't need the money because she maybe had a vagina and boobs um, and therefore must have a male care provider. Um, And it's it's frustrating because I feel like um, the 70s and 80s and like coming even into now, there's all this like discussion of like our families failing if both the parents have to work and the answer is like no we just don't live in the 50s the economy is failing yeah exactly. and that's and that's why both parents have to work it's not that you're bad people or not working hard enough or good enough or like you didn't do well enough in school because honestly like most of the people i know who did really well in school make comparable money to the people at like my age who didn't go to college and are working in technical jobs because the technical yeah. jobs have kind of continued to be in demand. So kid, is it kind of like, it reminds me of the American president, right? Where Bob Rumson's whole thing is think back on a time when things were simpler and easier mm-hmm. and just realize that you've forgotten that it wasn't simpler and easier. You just think it was. Yeah. It was just like, that Hollywood and yeah. marketing people, madmen, exactly. basically were paid to say, like, hey, this is how it's how it should be. Right. Right. <laughs> it, and it never so, was. It never was easier or simpler, like you and Roy are saying. It's, it, it's, it's so weird, weird isn't it? Because every generation thinks the generation after them is lazy and won't work, right? But you know what? Guess what? My grandparents thought that of my parents' generation, and my parents thought that of our generation. And now we're looking at the youth below us and we're like, they're so lazy. Yeah. No, they're not, right? Mm-mm. And, and so I remember it, it, when I was in college, um, 
I really struggled with all of this and, and the Mormon concept that mothers stay home mm-hmm. because it's yeah. just not who I am. And, and at the time, I didn't know if I was ever going to be a mother or if I wanted to be a mother or I had all my own stuff. And I remember my band director, his name is Vance Larson. He's one of the more formative people in my life. He sat me down one day and he was like, Brooke, do you think that I'm a good person? And I was like, what? Yes. And he's like, do you think that my wife, Lorna, is a good person? Who, by the way, is the person who bailed me out of jail? So I was like, yes. I absolutely think that Lorna is a good person. And he's like, all right, do you think we're good Mormons? Because I was still very Mormon at the time. And I was like, well, yeah, of course you are. And he's like, and do you understand that she's the leading special education specialist in the state of Utah? And I was like, well, yeah. And he's like, okay, she works. Like, we define our families. We define what we do. And by the way, historically speaking, Mormons can say whatever they want to, but wives have never stayed home. This is a new concept that they have like sucked onto that is not factual, not accurate, much like most of the history that you're being taught has been very changed and altered. And if you want to work, you can be a working mother and be just as good of a mother and take care of your kids, or you don't have to be a mother, or you get to define it however you want to. And I remember having that conversation with him and just being like, well, of course it's been altered. So can I speak as a person who's still a good Mormon or maybe the best oh, yeah. Mormon? It's possible yeah. I'm the best Mormon. You're the best Mormon. Yeah, yeah. you're huge. Yeah. You're usually I'm the huge. Best. Okay. So I, I, it's interesting because I have a, a sister-in-law, one of the earlier marriages. My wife's the oldest of her 10 siblings. Um, Whoa. But she, there's mostly boys in her family. So, But one of her brothers got married and, and the girl he married is like, yeah, guess what? I'm going to med school and I'm going to be a surgeon. And it was like a big deal. <laughs> like right. there, there were some people like, what? <laughs> and no, she's a very successful uh, doctor. And, and her, her husband is a, a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force and they're raising their kids just fine. But, but to the point of like, so I've, I've been reading the, the saints and like uh, in the late 1800s and early 1900s, like Mormon women were very active in the community and they were very big yeah. in the suffragette movement mm-hmm. and um and they worked doggone it they worked they didn't just work they ran like organizations and businesses and so i feel like we have we've had this mind wipe that again probably just goes back to the 50s where everyone came home and we're like oh this is great isn't it wonderful you know only the husband has to work and the woman can raise the children and then the 50s ended and here we are and and so thankfully yeah. i'm really grateful for that sister-in-law of mine because she made it possible for several more of my sister-in-laws to work and no one's raising an eyebrow anymore. Um, yeah. well, just because of that, you are a, a, the best Mormon, but I'm the best Mormon, you, but they'll think you're the worst. How dare you say <laughs> well, those things? I'm, I'm also the member of my family that, that, uh, that allowed his daughter to get married to another woman. So um, everyone actually came out to the wedding, which was nice, but I'm, but my dad, who I love deeply, I, he, man, I, it, it looked like yeah. he was at a funeral, not a wedding. I w- I have wondered how it, that was taken, but no, you're you are not only a good Mormon but a great father. So oh, that is mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I got the cutest little grandkid. He's a pretty really cute grandkid. Girl. I was going to send you a letter. He's but, enormous. Uh, He's like forty pounds of grandkid. <laughs> we tweeted it instead. Oh, really adorable. <laughs> I love that about you, Roy. And I that was one of the things like. After that point, I stayed in the church for like another decade still. Like I, well, not quite, but, but it, it, 
you're the best Mormon. <laughs> that's what Aww. it should be. It should be finding ourselves in these spaces of religion and spirituality and connection and, and family and honor. And all of that has to do with like letting each person be their yeah. full person. So it's been interesting. Isn't that weird? But isn't that weird about social groups? Like it's either because I left for the same reason. Like there were no people who encouraged self-awareness and actualization and, and expression. And mm. I mean, those of you who grew up in Provo know that's pretty common, right? But I think it's all social groups, whether it's political or um, yeah. spiritual. It, yeah. you, the I, the makeup of the group either keeps it or degrades it. And and Roy, you're right. You are a very good example of how the <laughs> how a group should work to keep people. So isn't it fascinating? Yeah. Like, like I, and I don't understand it when I see it around me. But so my brother Josh is he's also he's really good. He's actually in a he's in a, a stake, he's in a stake presidency. I'm assuming that most of you understand what what that means, but. He's like, he makes a lot of steak for those of you who don't. <laughs> he just sits by a grill. And like he goes to the to the how the 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 cold house and cuts pieces of meat off <laughs> yeah, for all of his all of his close friends. Josh, Josh, if you're listening, we know you do that anyway. Murder. <laughs> he has made he, tasty he, murder. He makes so much effort in his stake to uh, to be uh, LGBTQ friendly, and he was such a wonderful support as my daughter was going through all of her stuff, and he hooked us up with some people who had some insights, and uh, and he's just been he's been great, and so I'm. Um, but I, I will say, like when before I knew my daughter was gay, this is so way off of Rocky. Um, I remember thinking to myself, I'd be such a good dad of a gay kid, right? I don't know why I thought that, but I'm like, I, 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 I could hack it, right? Because I would love my kid no matter what. And then we learned that our daughter was gay. And I, can I be honest? Like it was, it was, uh, it was harder than I thought. Um, and I think a uh, part of it was because my wife comes from a really conservative family and she, she really struggled. Um, but we both, uh, uh, came to terms with it. And I mean, our daughter's great. We're like, we love her. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, I, I think one of the turning points, was we were talking to her and we were just like, you know, friendly conversation for whatever reason. We said, Hey, tell Alex, we love her too. And I stopped and I said, can you tell her that we really love her? And we're not just tolerating her as your lesbian wife. <laughs> like yeah. we really love her. Right. And, uh, so, so I don't know what the point of all this is. Um, so, can but it's I, funny. Can it's I counterpoint though, right? that? Sure. Yeah. I was going to say, cause kid, I, I thought it was funny cause you know, having, um, I'm really excited that the kids don't have to deal with boys because boys are awful. Oh, and can, can I say like you my know? kids, my, who are, who are the siblings of my, Word. my daughter there. It's, it's so awesome for them because it's just so normal for them yeah. to have a gay sister who's married. Right. And is having her own family. Yeah. And I just love that. My kids are like, what, you know, it, it's, this is normal. That it's not a, big yeah, they deal. think it's weird that we think it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, kid. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I love, I love, like, I didn't want to interrupt you guys. Um, I just wanted to tack on to that. Like, sure. but that's why, you know, I feel like movies like this are, are so formative, but um, because this gets filtered through the cultural lens that we grow up with and with white people, I think that's very commonly instead of like our, our genetic background, it's our religious upbringing. I feel like church has become a, like, at least in places where religious communities are very, very strong and dominant in the community, they have become like the overwhelming culture. Cause I remember in Virginia, 
like there was the whole like, well, I'm half Irish and half German. And a friend of mine is like, I'm half Mormon and half Jewish. And I'm like, that's interesting. And then I moved to Utah and like everybody was just Mormon. Um, and and so I but I, I think that, you know, everybody's this related culture to Pocahontas, right? Yeah, is, everybody, everybody's got like Pocahontas in their line somewhere. It's really <laughs> actually, yes, our, our step, Edward, our, only our Edward step mom does. Um, <laughs> but I I do think that it's, um, you know, that that there are so many great things about Mormon doctrine and Mormon faith and Christianity in general what becomes problematic are these cultural taboos. And we see that in, we see that in Rocky. We see that in a lot of cinema where people are, are like the things that we don't talk about, the things that we find that become taboos become immoral or make you a bad person. And it's like, it took me, I think I realized when I was like 19 or 20 that I was different. And like, I had the thoughts like, what if I were gay? I think I might be gay and I immediately shut it down because that was wrong. And that, w- that would make me an immoral person. And I was like, no, that's just the devil talking to me. Um, and like, I think that's why I didn't come out until I was in my forties because I just didn't feel comfortable processing yeah. that like those emotions and what what my concept of right and wrong and gender was yeah. and so that's why i was like you know what i'm just gonna go full like say i am full non-binary because i find gender so confusing and put on um and i i just i disagree with these arbitrary rules that are assigned to me by by marketing executives rather than like you know like, hey, I get their sexual dimorphism, but also I studied science in college because when I was studying English and theater, I was told that that was an MRS degree. And I don't know if you guys have heard of this term, but it's basically the term for a college degree that is, that you get so that you feel accomplished and then you go get oh, married. my degree. <laughs> Shout out Rescue Idaho. Yeah. Shout out, that yeah. was and my degree. Like, my humanities degree. That's exactly what that was. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I plan to live a life of leisure supported by another person. And that's I was right, like. The MR degree in Roy's case. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. Well, then I'm going to go study science because, you know, because, you know, fuck this being a, a, you know, squashy woman shit. Sorry, Roy. <laughs> I disagree. That's the first swear word I've heard today. Nay, nay. Um, I really, I, I'm sorry. I, I was sorry, trying man. and then I forgot because I got all fired up. No, that's not even the first swear word on this podcast. You're no. fine. I, think we've been- I started <laughs> crapping thunder. Um, <laughs> but I do think that, that cultural taboos that get filtered through our pop culture and through our religion really inform people's identities and can really influence their mental health. Oh my goodness. So can I say my poor daughter, when she was realizing that she was gay, right? So this is just speaking to her afterwards. She said the only reason she didn't commit suicide was because she knew she was going to hell. And, And it's like, oh my goodness, nowhere in the doctrine does it say that, but the culture... Yeah. has informed that right yeah. mm-hmm. and it was just so painful to hear her say that and she's like i just i i didn't i couldn't commit suicide because i needed to figure out long enough what i needed to do to not go to hell right and it was just so heartbreaking mm-hmm. to hear that 
And uh, that's why Rocky won this match. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I do think it's important, though, because, like, you can see you can see Rocky going through these shifts of like, who, what does it mean to be me? And how do I, how do I make it through these things and trying mm-hmm. to let go of ideas and expectations put on him. And like, one of the things that I really had to do when I left Mormonism to, so that I don't hate Mormonism, I don't hold it accountable for all these, these things in my life was to really grieve it. And so that I could then go on and celebrate the life that I was creating. And, and very much like your daughter, I remember the night in high school in Utah when I had my plan, I was going to take my life. I knew exactly what it meant. And, and very much like your daughter, I didn't want to go to eternal darkness and damnation forever. And it got me through that night. And then it was just like, lifelong struggle of what does that mean to be me what does it mean to like girls what does it mean to like boys as well what does it mean to have have lived through all this and and then to get to a point of choosing instead of reacting and I think I know Rocky doesn't go into all those deeper things but I think we watch his process as he goes through those things and and continues to go introspectively and, and look at what he's going to create and make. And I think it's a really important part of these movies and learning and seeing and watching, even if it's not directly stated that you can make the outcome, what you want it to be, gives you some level of, of hope and, and control and ability, even for a bum. (laughs) A tomato. Yeah, who's never even seen a condominium. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, and I love this conversation. You guys are the best. So I, I, I gotta I, hop off kind of soon. If, if you guys want to do the, uh, yeah, the studio note stuff, we should probably yeah jump jump into that. So um, this movie did not quite as well as uh, as its predecessor, uh, which of course was a. Uh, absolutely giant movie but it did end up being the number three movie of 1979 um it made uh a total of 85.1 million dollars adjusted for inflation that's 310.8 million and it did and an and an additional 115 uh, at the um, international box office. So, I mean, that that's still the equivalent of a movie making like $600 million yeah, uh, worldwide um, here in, in uh, 2023. So, yeah, did incredibly well. Um, big, big sequel. And obviously we know that the, this continued. Um, studio Notes if we'd been handed this film in any stage of production and had the chance to change something, what would we, what would we change? Nothing perfect movie. It's a perfect movie. Apparently (laughs) I would, I would give a little bit more time to Carl Weathers 
to mm, yeah really, yes to just just to unwrap the the public persona versus private persona because i feel like he really showed like he had this public persona and how the and it seemed interesting because to me his public persona unraveled more than his private persona did like in his own space he was insecure but he was training he was focused but like whenever he was in an interview it seemed like he was much more all over the place oh i'm sorry my mic was way far away but anyway carl weathers needed more screen time um so wouldn't it have been great to have had a just a quick scene of him like in his house in a dark room rewatching the fight, the original fight, just <laughs> what? torturing himself? Or what yeah. I want, I want yeah. him talking to his wife. I want to give his wife some lines. Seriously, you get so yeah. many reaction shots of her where she's just like so scared, and I'm like, I want more of that character, and I know we get more of her. Um, will recast as Felicia Rashad, but um, in Creed, but I, I would have liked to have seen a sort of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I want to see like the Rocky and Adrian relationship and the Creed and his wife. What's her name? Does it, do we know her name? Does she have a name? Not Mrs. at this point. Apollo. Mrs. Apollo Creed. What's yeah. her What's her name in the Creed movies? Uh, let me look. Marianne. That's not Marianne. <laughs> Skipper. I love when you work. I love when you work through things verbally, Roy. I swear though, it's like Mary. I swear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is it Brigitte? It can't be Brigitte. Um, let's I'm going to answer this. Uh, yeah, Marianne. Oh, <laughs> look at that! Dang. Wow. Marianne Creed. There you go. So, wow. It, it would have been nice to have I, I i agree with you andy i feel like we get some of it kind of reflective in the creed movies which is one of the reasons why the creed movies are so good is because you get another aspect of it like generationally but i would i would agree i would really like that dynamic in these movies because it, it is it's it's equally important and and it would be great to have some screen time for him yeah uh I would I would also we mentioned this earlier take out the line of like uh don't don't take uh away being a man from me or whatever that line is um yeah do not like uh would deep six that but. yeah more trips to the zoo more trips to the oh way I more love zoo. the zoo the that zoo's poor tiger free the yeah, tiger way more tiger <laughs> That yeah, that tiger looked cold. Get that tiger a blanket. Or this is the same tiger from uh, Manhunter. <laughs> the same, the same poor emaciated tiger. Well done, full circle. <laughs> I, I would, uh, yeah, I would also say like uh, maybe make the Nouveau Riche uh, Ed Hardy store a little bit more douchey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like it was already pretty bad. It was pretty. It, uh, yeah, it was like you know because her clothes were really, I think you know, nice. But he was definitely like, oh, you're going full Ed Hardy. Ooh. Yeah, yeah I would have done a scorpion mean. jacket, not a tiger jacket. But that's <laughs> Ryan Gosling shout out. <laughs> hey, that's a great movie. We should watch that movie. That's a fantastic that's movie. A yeah. Movie. 
great soundtrack too. Same soundtrack, actually. I think it's from the same year. <laughs> Both 1979 songs. Totally sounds like it. Any other studio notes? I, I, you sh- they should have just shown all of Rocky one in the early montage. Just do the whole movie again. <laughs> a, a much better version of the fight. Like, oh, I can see everything <laughs> at three times speed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because you think you're seeing the highlights of the film from Rocky one, but you're, you're probably watching just about the whole fight because it was so. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, it was pretty much exactly the same. <laughs> deleted scenes. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Uh, any any others? I I um have a couple. One is that um when Adrian woke up and she tells him, you know, I want you to win. That was a great moment, but I don't feel like they earned it. You know, there's no real explanation of yeah. why. It just it's like, well, we need to move the plot forward and we need Adrian to be on board with the fight now, so you know, she's just going to wake up from her coma and have totally changed her mind with no explanation. You know, it, it, it feels abrupt. Yeah, it does. So, it, it, and I agree. And that's why I asked the question, like, why on earth does she change her mind? And I think when you dig into it, you can see the reasons, but they don't, they don't help you any on the no. screen. You kind of have to just, I think you, you could come with, you know, if you ask 10 people, you come up with 10 different explanations, yeah. you know, like yeah. there, there's no real guidance there. That's why it's um, called a plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I wanted that. I wanted like more of an explanation of what made her change her mind. Um, and then the other thing too, it's actually kind of goes back to something Kit was saying about the neuro side of changing, you know, whether you're a right-handed or left-handed or something. I, I kind of actually wish they'd sort of gone a little more into that because I, I personally find it fascinating. Um, when I was a kid, I was actually ambidextrous, which means that you can use both your right and your left hand, like for writing. And, you know, they're neither one is dominant. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a pretty cool, unique character trait that not a lot of people have. But I also went to Catholic school where, they were, which was populated by nuns who thought that being left-handed was a sign of the devil. So they forced me to only do everything with my right hand. And if I try to do something with my left, they'd smack me with the ruler, right? And so you really quickly learn how to not use the left hand when, like, there's punishment and pain involved in it, you know? And um, so every time I watched this movie, even since I was a little girl, I was like, whoa, you know, like he could just change it like that. Because I I, like there's a lot of reasons I'm mad at the Catholic Church, but one of them is very personal. Like some of them is just like, you know, things that affect everybody, you know, but but personally for me, a, a big part of the reason why I I'm not a part of the church anymore and I, you know, is just that they do things like that. Even today, some really old school nuns will do shit like that. Um, and so I I guess for me, I wanted to see more of the process uh, for that. I think that would have been kind of a fascinating aside. Um, and I didn't have Mrs. Creed down in my notes, but you know what? I did have more Apollo, like I said last time. Um yeah. And yeah, it would have been nice to see more of his family life and and more of Mrs. Creed because a lot of times with men like that, 
the woman has something to do with it, with their success, you know, um, a lot of men are overgrown babies and sometimes, unfortunately, a woman carries them. They shouldn't have to be that way, but it is a lot of times. And I would be fascinated to see their dynamic. What, so what, what would have been uh, maybe an effective touch to have a scene where where you see – do we ever see Creed's kids? I don't think you do, but if you see Creed's no. kids – um, at home and they're crying and like that's how you learn that they're being made fun of at school and then it's really personal mm-hmm. to Creed right but eh, whatever yeah I think yeah I think there is like you could get the more of that sense of like the domestic Creed and not just like oh the the mean Twitter mailbag <laughs> yeah. yeah Melissa I had the same studio note as you of <clears throat> excuse me of wanting to see Adrian First of all, I hate in all shows when they show people waking up from comas and they're just like, oh, okay, now I'm fine. Hello. <laughs> it was just a coma. No, I don't I don't know if that's accurate or not, but it's portrayed on TV in this weird way and I don't feel like it would quite be that way. Not that they would have the time to go into a full wake up or anything, but I do wish that instead of me speculating all these years, I just, I wish that instead of just showing her wake up and just being like, assuming for all the years that I've watched these movies that that she had an understanding of what he was going through and that that suddenly became paramount to everything and sending him on his way that there had been this connection of we are all going through this and I support you when it's hard the way that you've supported me when this has been hard and yeah. and go and be your fullest self like I agree just I should have just said I agree with Melissa. (laughs) (laughs) We all agree with Melissa. Mm -hmm. So, uh, okay. Uh, Best one-liners or quotes? Hmm. Do you have an order or do people just uh, barge in like I'm doing right now? Just go in. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Go Uh, ahead, Avon lady. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, (laughs) uh, at the press conference where the reporter says, Rocky, got anything derogatory to say about the champ? And Rocky replies, derogatory? Yeah, he's great. That that was mine. That's, yeah, really? that's what I had written down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, line. it's perfect because it's yeah. the best line. It's unequivocally the best line. Mm, Derogatory? No, he's great. It's like <laughs> it's so perfect because yeah, it's like okay, Rocky doesn't not, know what derogatory means. Yep, doesn't yeah. know what derogatory <laughs> means, but he's like, what is? What do you think? He's great. Like he's yeah, yeah. He, he loves derogatory. <laughs> he he loves Apollo Creed. He thinks Apollo Creed's awesome. Yeah, condominiums that con- never use them. Condominiums is great. Condiment. Too. I like oh, the yeah. what's the one? Uh, I, I, why do you wear the sweatsuit? It brings me luck. You know what it brings? It brings flies. <laughs> uh, do you have but, to wear this this dinky sweatshirt? I think that's yeah, the sweatsuit all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me go back to the condominiums line and just quickly plug the Patreon. If you want to hear Brooke and I talk for like five minutes about the history of condoms uh <laughs> go check out our patreon episode on the lords of flatbush and many uh, different types of sex kink yeah there's a <laughs> bunch of crazy <laughs> stuff in that episode it got <laughs> spicy anyway go check out the patreon uh for more condo talk i i as funny as those lines were i actually think my favorite line of this is when he says thanks after she says i do 
Oh, yeah. oh, my yeah. line. That's the one oh, I had it? written down. I, yeah. love, I just oh. thought that was super cute. I'm like, that's such a great character line. Of like, it really is. For saying I do. I, I can't remember what he was saying, but he had like this whole monologue of how much he loved her. And she uh, like, and it was definitely in his like, still recovering from brain injury times. And she's like, <laughs> you don't have to speak. <laughs> um, his poem was something that yeah the poem is yeah, his poem. Yeah. Uh, their interactions in bed when he's reading to her yeah great. Oh, i love it because she says you read good and he says thank you you lie good the agent that's like we're gonna make a rocky doll you can kick it you can beat it it'll be a great success <laughs> You can kick it. You can kick it. So I think he had a job interview where the interviewer said, do you have a criminal record? And his response was nothing worth bragging about. Yeah. yeah. Good old yep. Rocky. And, and it's like, why, why wouldn't you go back to fighting? Was you ever punched in the face 500 times a night? It stings after a while, you know? <laughs> stings. It's awesome. Pretty I good. love when, she, when Adrian looks up at him and says, I hope you never get tired of me. And he just looks down at her and goes, oh, no, you ain't never getting rid of me. Yeah. And then he locks the door. <laughs> oh. And then Buckus jumps on him. Yikes. <laughs> Is that, oh man, when he lays her down in their wedding bed in that disgusting apartment. <laughs> and then she quickly killed like a couple cockroaches <laughs> when she laid down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there, there's the where she's like, you could go blind. He's like, I ain't going blind. I can see like a beagle or something. <laughs> like, and I was like, beagle. are beagles like known for their... Oh, I just realized it was him being intentionally dumb again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, the the unequivocal, you gotta eat lightning. You gotta crap thunder. Of course. Or Burgess Mayer. Now, my favorite line of the whole movie is the one I said earlier, but um, other than the day that my kid was born, this is the greatest moment of my life. Mm-hmm. That just that throw to his kid, and then yo, Adrian, they did it. Oh man! So I I think the AFI did their like 100 greatest quotes of all time, and yo, Adrian makes it. But every time I see him, like how could how can you have that be the really famous quote if you don't include I did it? Right? The quote's got to be right. yo, Adrian, I did it. Right? I did I it. Whatever. Yeah. I think it's that whole thing. It's and the line about his kid is so important. The line about his kid is that baby, that baby. Oh my gosh, hair. So So all babies are beautiful, but some babies are less beautiful than other babies. I think my my kids were like, "Dad, that's an ugly baby," and I was like, "Be quiet, all babies." Oh, I thought that baby was cute. That's what the look. The people in my family come out with so much hair. A few of them needed haircuts upon birth. (laughs) Oh wow! Not so. Maybe just because you know that's kind of what babies in my family look like—a little browner. But yeah, (laughs) I was born with pigtails, Melissa. I get it. Oh wow! (laughs) My my older brother Josh, his first baby, like the doctor wasn't there yet, and so as she was pushing, they made her like. Like stop pushing, hold it right, and and so that baby came out with a head shaped like a an eggplant or a banana, it was, <laughs> oh, and we're like, gosh. oh, what a beautiful baby! As we all were like cringing, <laughs> like on Seinfeld, got a little cone that, head. That happened. Yeah, super cone head. Birth a lot. Jeez. Just like their their heads change shape 
because they're, they're trying not to get crushed. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Best side characters. Speaking of beautiful babies. Butt kiss. Butt kiss. Can I go with the the nurse in Adrian's uh, room? Who's like, visiting hours are over. She's the queen of her domain, isn't she? Seriously. Terrible. Your wife's dying in a coma, but guess what? Get out. Get out. <laughs> There's regulation. I'd like to see her fight Creed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Frank Stallone in it again. <laughs> Frank He's Stallone. magical. <laughs> yep. You have uh, Brent Musburger, who's in it. Oh, really? Good. Yeah. You've got Roberto Duran, who is also a great fighter. I might give it to the corner man, just for the corner man's name, Shaka Kumbaka, <laughs> <laughs> which is my all-time favorite IMDb black hole I went down. Lessons of kombucha on you. Yeah, that for more, uh, tune into Andy and Brooke on the Patreon about Shaka Kumbaka. Wow. That's what she said. (laughs) Hit your condominiums. That's all I'm saying. I don't use them. If if Adrian, yeah, I don't know. Is Adrian a side character? I don't think so. In this one, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. She's not really a, a full human being in this. She is in the first half of it. Mm, she's more of a, a an accessory and a plot thing. device, I still feel. Mm. I felt like she was a really major part of it in their conversations and, and the building their life together and the whole, like the zoo to the marriage to the house to the and like trying to rein him in and I felt like his I don't know. I feel like she was a main character. Yeah, she's she's I romanticize she's trying, it. She's protecting him from his 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 poor judgment, right? I guess it's still about him, so I understand your uh, point, Kit. That's a yeah. yeah, it's it's not a personal thing. I loved her. Right. I just I just didn't I don't think she's the main protagonist like she would have been if I had made Rocky Written One it. as Adrian <laughs> the horror movie. Adrian the horror movie. <laughs> She takes revenge on Polly. Well, yeah, in Rocky Six, everything Adrian I revenge. was saying was like reiterating what you had said, and I realized why <laughs> I was saying the wrong thing. So, no, you were saying it so beautifully, <laughs> and it was like, oh, I'm so, I'm so glad that you told that joke because I was worried I wasn't even going to get on today. And then I, <laughs> I uh, did some jerry rigging uh, from the computer. Yeah. Um. All right. It, it, no, but. Brooke, to your point, Mickey. Mickey's mm-hmm. really great. He's great. Yeah. Hopefully they don't kill him off because he's a great part of these movies. Yeah. You jerk. Done Long may he reign. By the way, I can't wait to talk about the medical services Mickey received in the locker room. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> Let's start CPR. Was that CPR? What? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was not CPR. <laughs> Do you start CPR on a guy who's still breathing? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, that's next week, but I can't wait. These compressions will take care of this old man. (laughs) (laughs) We won't be back till next Thursday. (laughs) Okay. um, Best song? Oh, man. It's Two Kinds of Love. Yeah, I think so. I agree. Yeah. Agreed. Two kinds of love. So if, if we're talking like instrumental as well, I love the the writing to the emergency room uh, for the opening credits. That's pretty good stuff. But but two kinds of love. Frankie Stallone. Hard to beat that. Yeah. yeah. My um, favorite song is "Burning Heart" 
two movies from now. <laughs> I just had it playing in the background while I was watching Rocky. Drago! <laughs> it's all Survivor going on in all these movies. <laughs> oh, Burning Heart. Oh, the terrible song. I can't wait to talk about it. Anyway, um, uh, also, I, a shout out to them taking John's studio note and hiring a choir of upbeat energy kids to replace the low energy gonna fly now <laughs> the geriatric choir's gone <laughs> yeah yeah the the low energy people have been replaced by the high they have been kids. sacked <laughs> yes <laughs> they've been probably they've been bitten dead. by moose <laughs> the philadelphia moose those are very common yep. that time of year to the zoo by the tiger pen andy were you saying your sister once got bitten by moose i, I did. did yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yep. you were she is moose bitten moose yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> all right uh is this a good movie Yes. Okay, wait. Yes. Okay, wait. We have to go back. Can't tell us a little bit of the moose bite story if it's not too traumatic. Just I think so. we're all just no, quoting just, the I'm opening credit. So I'm at, Python. at the zoo on a field trip to Philadelphia, I had <laughs> touched the Liberty Bell, which actually is true. I did. I wasn't yeah. supposed to, but I did. And then they took us to the zoo, and I tried to touch the moose, and it bit me. <laughs> wow, it's real. It's the Liberty Moods. No, Kit, Kit is just here to play. She, Kit understands the the improv rule of like, yep, that's say yes it and. Great, it was a great story. I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was the bell. I mean, I haven't gotten in trouble. No one, like the only person who saw me touch the bell was like a guy in my class who disliked me, but he didn't tell. Wow. So good for him. Yeah, whereas you, you know when the, the when the moose God you know what though touching the Liberty Bell you're fine it's not like you uh, incinerated <laughs> Mona Lisa so it's yeah 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 if you would have poured like chili all over the Liberty Bell that would have been different <laughs> yeah well it's already got a big old crack in it like what are you gonna hurt it more yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. so true Kit was trying to put a band aid on it everybody <laughs> all right it's all good it's all good <laughs> and I I did put a band aid on the moose bite though. Oh, well, yeah. it was Andy, fine. We just put some moose bite. Sounds like Andy. the worst whiskey ever. By the way, <laughs> come have some of this moose bite. <laughs> Andy, to your question, uh, yes, this is a good movie. I I think it I like the first movie, one yes. slightly better, but it's a good movie. I agree. I okay. Ah, so tough. This the is... dynamic of this one is so good, though. The relationships. Yeah. I don't know, Andy. What do you think? Well, this is my this is my thing with the Rocky movies, at least the first four. I think that there's this weird inverse relationship between like how great of a movie it is and how enjoyable it is to just watch. Right. And because mm-hmm. I enjoy three and four more. But two and three are the better movies. Yeah. Three and I and think four- Pass the TV test, right? If it's on TV, you're going to watch them. Yeah, and and two, I like watching more than one. Yeah, but one is kind of undeniable as like the great movie. But like, is two the better movie? It like, is. It, it's yeah. I, I don't. Yes, know, it's I really think hot. it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So. I like two more after this viewing than I've than I, than I have in the past. I, st- I I think I still like number. I think I still think 
number one is a better movie, but I, I, I think like I'm rape. in a minority and that's fine. What? I, I did you say, I do I like racism? I love racism. I said rape. <laughs> do you like rape? Oh, I love rape, like too. One first. Yeah. Yes. I knew it. Exactly. Covered way too knew much it. ground in that. You know how like when, when you rent Top Gun from the movie store and you get to the volleyball scene and it's all blurry because <laughs> people keep rewinding it? <laughs> it's all stuck. Yeah, so on our Rocky 1 VHS tape, that scene's so blurry because I'm like, oh, man, let's watch that it. again. <laughs> That's your favorite side character, isn't it? Is Problematic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so, I just love the side song. character. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I'm all done. Side oh, character. I just got really excited because uh, there's a there's a Cards Against Humanity card that's tasteful side boob, and it just kept popping oh. into my head every time the, Rocky turned. Rocky turn. side boob? The Rocky side boob is my favorite yeah. side character. So I have yeah, to go back and change that. Oh, it's a side Sorry. character. Yeah. He, calls yeah. it, he calls it moose bite. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, my side boob. Moosey. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> And is the main character Rocky Balboa a good person? Yeah, yes. yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting because I mean, other than Polly, is there a bad? I mean, even Creed's not really a, a no. bad character; it just goaded into bad decisions. Creed's so human in this movie; it really I, is. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think that's I think that goes back to why it's, this movie probably better than the first one in that sense of I think the characters cover more ground. Yeah, in the second one. Yeah, it's really hard to. Polly's a bad person. Paul's yeah, Polly's really bad. <laughs> Paul is bad. Every you time you see him, you want Rocky to punch him. The shit out of Polly. Yeah, legit. Rocky three should have been him just punching Polly in the ring for ten. Rocky rounds. one should have been him just punching Polly for days. <laughs> well, Rocky three could be Adrian punching. Well, Polly. he's he has an opportunity in Rocky three when he bails uh, Polly out of jail. Maybe he should just like wipe the floor with him in that parking garage. They're waiting for the Rocky VR for PlayStation 5 where you can just pick Polly and just throttle him. Wow. That would be the reason for me to get a PS5 right there. <laughs> just, wow, he's not even holding his hands up. This is an amazing man. Is this the training round? <laughs> Wish fulfillment. Yeah. He just staggers around going, I raised you better. I you better. <laughs> I'm going to throw this me. <laughs> You didn't teach me nothing. Uh, he just breaks plates in the ring. So JB, for for your birthday, I'm gonna just frame uh, for you a, a thing that just says, "You want to eat the bird? Go in the alley and eat the bird." I'm just gonna get that in, in a frame. As long as it's a picture of you in an alley with a bird, hunched down, pointing, pointing down at it. <laughs> and if the bird has Josh's head on it, it'd be even Gosh. I will say wow. that this movie, I know it's totally off subject, but this movie gave me one of the best Christmas gifts I've ever given to anyone. And it was completely lost on them. Oh, what would you give them? A turkey? A tiger? Sorry, I hitting? keep hitting so the mute button. Sorry. I was just going to let JB keep guessing. A moose? <laughs> it was a moose. <laughs> I gave him Polly. I know. <laughs> um, Polly Cologne. Polly brand Cologne. When our mutual, well, mutual to some of us, mutual friend Riyadh and I were dating. Oh, yeah. We started dating because I invited him over to watch the Rocky movies with me. Because wow. we realized that we both liked them together. And so after we had been dating for almost a year for Christmas, I got the movie poster from Rocky 2 where it shows them standing in the zoo, Adrian and Rocky looking at oh. each other. 
and I framed it for him and gave it to him for Christmas. Oh, that's great. And he like totally missed the point of it and shortly after. <laughs> that but was your sign. Yeah. It was like one of the be- like I was like, okay, how do I tell this man? Like here. And yeah. And I'm just going to get a handwritten letter about Turkey from Roy. (laughs) Well, I'm looking at at different movie posters on IMDb, and one of them is the French one that maybe my French isn't perfect, but it's Rocky II, La De Revanche. And is that Rocky II, The Revenge? I think so. I thought that was Rocky Revenge. Yeah, that's the wrong Simpsons clip. I'm yeah, confused. <laughs> okay, uh, so I my 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 brother's wife, Josh's wife, she had has uh she bought him the Rocky uh robe from the first Rocky movie. Oh wow, the baggy one, the, the big weird baggy one. robe, yeah. And uh, so you can now buy. I love the Sylvester Stallone store. He's got the the sliced Stallone store. You can buy the the boxing gloves necklace, but it's really expensive. But he also sells the sweater from the first movie when he's in his filthy apartment wearing that really awful sweater. Shut up. I love oh, that bro. sweater. Like eighty five bucks, you can own the Rocky One sweater. Yes. Wow. It's on, Brooke. Wow, can anyone answer for me awesome. why in the first movie he was hanging his records from clothespins on wires? Drying them out. Drying them out, yeah. He, he doesn't... That He's you, not very smart. You clean them in solution, you spin them in a solution, and then you paper Are you serious them. right now? Yeah. Yep. That's what? what that's Seriously? What you do. Yeah. Oh, wow. Rookie. It's because he's, he knows his records, apparently. Yeah, that's the easiest way to get dust out of them. You don't you, you can clean them with the brush, but that still leaves dust in the grooves. So, so in that filthy ass fucking apartment, he bothers to his clean records? his vinyl records. That's right. Yeah, do you think <laughs> that Adrian is going to uh, enjoy the takedown nearly as much if she can't clearly hear that wonderful uh, "You Take My Heart Away" song that's yeah, on his dust free record? Yeah. You got to have that that very crisp. <laughs> Sound quality is important. It's very during yeah, rain, yeah. especially if you see like a beagle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> look how clean they are from way over here. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just assuming that's what he does as he looks like a beagle. I really want this Rocky II poster now. That is the baddest rev- la revanche. <laughs> that is a great poster. Holy smokes! It's like Rocky at the top and Nighthawks at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> really awesome oh before we say goodbye because we are going to watch rocky 3 next time you don't have to but i'm going to uh in watch rocky 3 oh. in rocky 3 it shows briefly in his like i'm rocky and i'm very successful montage right it shows for like a, a couple seconds his spot on the muppet show so go oh. to Disney plus watch the sylvester stallone muppet show and then you know so good yeah yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that as well. That's yeah. his Sounds best great. acting role ever. He's got <laughs> way more expressions in the month, but like the stuff he did facially, I was like, he really can have <laughs> make different faces. Like he's really good. He deserves to be paid in more than shirts. More than shirts, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Nighthawks man. That's a that's, that's a, a great film. That's a stellar performance. That <laughs> that is well acted all around. But, Thank you, uh, Rutger Hauer. I have and, to tell you, I'm looking for the movie poster that I gave to him, and I can't actually find, find it. it. I don't feel like it exists anymore if i told you you could watch a movie with sylvester stallone rutger hauer and billy d williams and it's a cop movie you're gonna go watch that right now he's got the most handsome beard of all time (laughs) damn it i'm in beard is amazing (laughs) 
it's such a great movie. If you oh. haven't seen it, seriously watch it. It is really enjoyable. And drag is a major plot device. <laughs> wow. They were gonna do like three of them, weren't they? But I it don't just know. Didn't do well. Which movie is this? Called Night, Night Hawks. Hawks. It's so good. It's I mean, it's like really 1981. Bad. It's yeah. right after Rocky. It's right in between Rocky two and three, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it was so good. I don't know. You put Empire Records only one notch above Lords of Flatbush, so I don't know if I trust you. I'm sorry, ma'am. It's my lack of anchoring bias that you all possess with uh with Empire Records. Yeah, it's 1981. Is that great? Rutger Hauer is Thank a you. European terrorist <laughs> who shows up to New York, and Stallone is the elite undercover cop who's got to go kill him. Nighthawks probably led directly to cobra which is the real gift that nighthawks gave us even though nighthawks is by far the better movie <laughs> Let's be shit. nighthawks is really good Lindsay wagner's in it like mm-hmm. nigel davenport's in it like they spent some good money on it yeah. i just found an autographed copy of the rocky one movie poster autographed by talia shire Ooh. oh wow certificate of make sure it's got the cod or whatever it they does. call it and it's yes. only 479 dollars oh that's wow. a steal I mean, it's not as good as getting the sweater, but it's whatever. It doesn't say La Revanche. Did she sign it? it? La Revanche. Love Adrian's Revanche. (laughs) La Revanche de Adrian. (laughs) We didn't even talk about the disease of shyness. (laughs) Oh my goodness! All right, you guys, I gotta, I gotta check out. Yeah, well, that's it. Okay, we'll we'll see you all next week. Uh, for Rocky 3 and Club Alang, uh, pity the fool if you don't stick around and go check out our Patreon. Uh, big consensual kiss to everybody. Mwah. Mwah. Except from the moose! <laughs> <laughs>